Uh, welcome, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm here today with uh, with Julian Tonnerre, who's the CEO of Zenith. Uh, it's a privilege to meet you. Good morning, Mark. Thank you very much. It's my honor to be here with you. Well, that's uh, that's, that's very kind of you to say so. I mean, we um, we, uh, we we've stocked Zenith in our stores uh, for for a long, long time. We all we all love the brand. Um, it, it's terrific, um, and our sense is it's always been a little bit. Um, maybe under potentialized, but um, it seems to be it seems to be doing great things under under your uh, custodianship. So that's 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 incredible. Um, and, and as ever with the with these podcasts, we um, I think it's 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 great to uh, to find out a little bit about you. So um, if you could tell us a little bit about about your early life, I, I understand from, from my research um, as a, as a twelve year old boy, you, you started your career in business with a with a, something a little bit unusual. Yes, you're right. You're right. I became a dog walker, you know, <laughs> totally by coincidence. Uh, first with one, and then I ended up with uh, six dogs. Wow! You know, in Switzerland, and uh, I was 11, 12, I think. Yes, and I, I, I was starting to make uh, make a bit of money. So my yeah. parents they asked me to. They only left me 100 Swiss francs per month, which was quite good. The rest mm -hmm. was going to the bank. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a funny thing because I started for fun and at the end it uh, helped me to pay uh, some of my studies a few years later. So that was great. Yeah. And it gave me the feel of working, working yes. hard and uh, also entrepreneurship, you know, Yes. because you start things at an mm -hmm. early age. It gives you a, yeah, yeah. Uh, a good uh, mindset for the future, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It, it, indeed. And one of the other unusual things um, is, is your water skiing. You're a Swiss champion water skier. Yes, in 1988. Uh, yes, I started also a few years before that, and uh, that, by coincidence as well, but uh, really happy to start this beautiful sport. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started, yes, uh, 80, uh, 83, 84, and then four years after I became Swiss champion. Amazing. And that was my sport. You know, I even wanted to turn it into professional and mm -hmm. stop studying, but my parents told me that it was not a good idea. Uh, so I basically <laughs> continued my studies, finished mm -hmm. them, and uh, but it was a great, great adventure. Yeah, yeah, it took me all over the world with the Swiss team. And again, it, it gave me some, I would say, values mm -hmm. uh, that I'm still using today. Uh, yeah. Working hard, waking up early in the morning, mm -hmm. uh, and, and all these things. So I'm, um, I'm very happy of this experience as well, yeah. Yeah, well, such dedication. I mean, but yeah, it's a, it's it's an unusual it's an unusual sport, um, and uh, well, it, it's incredible. But, you know, seldom do we get chance to uh, to speak to a to a Swiss champion, a national champion. So that's a, that's that's absolutely amazing. Um, and 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 then um, I mean, you, you mentioned your education. You you went to the University of Geneva and did business, I think. Yes, correct, correct. correct. I studied economics and business. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then you even came to the London School of Economics. Yes, correct, that. correct, correct. Yeah. A few years after I came here, I lived a year and a half in the UK between 96 and 97. I loved it. Uh -huh. So, no, no, I had a great, uh, great time. And this is actually when I was in the UK that I got a call from a, a friend of mine asking me uh, to come for an interview for my first job. Mm -hmm. So the first time I had this uh, watch uh, option to go for, it was I was actually still living here in London. Wow. Yeah. Interesting, <laughs> and that that was was that Raymond that was Raymond Whale. Was that it? was Raymond Whale. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, of course. I flew. I still remember. I flew from London to Geneva. I went for lunch with the CEO of uh, of Raymond Whale, Mr. Olivier Bernheim, and I also met Mr. Raymond Whale himself. Uh -huh. It was great to work wow. with uh, such a man. Yeah. And uh, I flew back, and a couple of days after, I knew that I would start my career in the watch industry. So amazing! Yeah, yeah. So that's you in your mid twenties, and you're you're, in, you're you're covering Europe, I think. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was an area sales manager uh -huh. for Europe, the whole Europe actually. Uh -huh. 
And within three years, I think I visited every single country in Europe, uh, except Albania. I think that's the only one I haven't been. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, nothing against Albania, but there, I, I could visit every single country, Incredible. all the way to Siberia. And, so it gave me a very good feeling of different cultures, mm -hmm. different cultures, different approach, how to do business with different kind of people. Yeah. And uh, I learned a lot. Yeah, very yeah. intense. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. Uh, and then still in watches, but completely different. You, you moved to Vacheron. Yes, right. Vacheron, uh, that was in December 1999. And back then I was offered to be uh, covering Europe as well and Latin America. Wow. Which was a great experience for me. And, uh, and very quickly, the, the, the person in charge of the Swiss market left. So they also gave me the Swiss market in direct. So I had kind of a funny job, you know, covering so many different areas. Yeah. Uh, but again, great learning experience, uh, very traditional watchmaking mm. and uh, high-end. So I, I was uh, learning uh, a lot at Vacheron. And, and I would say after a few years, uh, they offered me to go to the U.S. Okay. Swiss market was booming. We had done mm. a very good job with my team. And I was offered to go to, the, to New York, to move to New York. Yes. Barely married. And uh, hop, I went there with my wife and, and, and stayed in New York for five years, where we developed North America. Mm -hmm. That's incredible, isn't it? Uh, I think it's... Uh it's great to have the opportunity to travel and live and, and you know, move around the world with, with your job. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, that's the best way to learn because yes. when you really live abroad, you understand the market, you understand uh -huh. the culture, you really get into it. That's why when I finished, uh, when I did five years in America, uh, they asked me to come back to take over the international sales. And I remember I told my CEO, yes, of course, but I really want to go to Asia. And he said, you know, the job is taken. You cannot go there. I said, yes, but if there is an option for Vacheron, for another brand within the group, I really want to mm -hmm. go to Asia because I felt that this understanding from inside yes. uh, of a key market like North America and, of course, Asia that mm -hmm. was becoming huge yeah, for the yeah. watch industry, mm -hmm. I had to go there. So we barely unpacked and he called me and he said, you know what? The position is open. Would you like to go to Hong Kong to look after Asia Pacific? That was in 2011. So uh -huh. we repacked and we moved there to Hong Kong Wow! for wow. seven years. Well, and so your wife is happy with all this, and you've got you've got children all along the way as well. So it's a a big a big upheaval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We managed to uh, to have uh, to do one children per one child per continent. You know, one born in the U.S., one born in Europe, and my little girl was born in uh, in Hong Kong. Wow. So now we don't go to Australia and Africa. We, <laughs> we stop there. <laughs> but it's all. Uh, you, but now you, you run the world for Zenith, so everything is your uh, everything is your 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 place to visit, I guess. Yes, yeah. yes, and that was also a, a big turning point of my career when mm -hmm. I receive a. I was actually traveling in Singapore that day, and I received a call from Jean Claude Biver mm -hmm. that I had met in uh, in the U.S. Uh, he knew me from the U.S. days, and uh, he asked me to take over Zenith. So, of course, it was an amazing opportunity because Zenith, such a beautiful brand, mm -hmm. but needed, you know, to, to, to remove the dust a bit and, and put it yes. more energy and dynamism into the brand. Mm -hmm. So I got very excited. And of course, working next to the legend of the industry, Jean-Claude Biver, for a global position, yeah. uh, it was immediately a yes and a move, moving back to Switzerland. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine what a call from Jean-Claude Beaver is, is like. You know, you pick up the phone, hi, it's Jean-Claude Beaver here. You know, it's, it must be amazing because, uh, you know, I, I think some of our listeners will know that he is, as, as you said, he's an industry legend, really. Yeah, he, he texted me first, huh? but five ah. minutes before. And, you know, yeah. the, the good thing is Jean-Claude goes so fast. 
that uh, the first conversation lasted 45 minutes, which is quite amazing for him. Uh-huh. And uh, and uh, we went into quite a few details, I would say. And uh, then uh, we hung up and uh, we called each other again. And after I, he asked me if I was able to fly back to Europe, I said, yes. And he said, when can you come? I said, tomorrow. I said, yes, really? Okay, <laughs> so I'll see you after tomorrow. It's a true story. Yeah. And I literally flew uh, 48 hours after I flew and I saw him in Geneva and we had a few hours discussion, yeah. So amazing, amazing start from the beginning, really. Amazing, amazing, yeah. And you've obviously had his trees at some various points because he he makes he makes trees as well as uh, of course, his, of course, <laughs> one of his passions. Famous cheese. incredible, incredible. So you, you're you're Zenith CEO from sort of 20, 2017, and um, as, as you said, it's it's a brand with that's maybe a little bit dusty, but but I mean, what a rich um, rich legacy and rich history it's got. You know, I mean, it's one of the uh, allegedly the first sort of manufacturer where all the skills were were, were, were in-house, you know, all the cases, the, the actual movement assembly rather than being farmed out into, into different operations. So that's a that's a first in itself, isn't it, I, I believe? Absolutely. No, no, I always say in the watch industry, you often have two categories of watches. Some are very, I would say they have a long heritage, long history, and, and sometimes, and most of the time, I would say they, they're kind of stuck in the past, stuck mm-hmm. in the history, and they, they kind of repeat the past all the time. Yes. And you have have other brands that are quite new, I would say, or very recent history. So they start from a white sheet of paper and mm-hmm. they are super innovative and creative. And I always felt like Zenit, 156 years of heritage. You mentioned that first brand to put all the crafts under the same roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the El Primero in 1969 and a lot of uh, key moments uh, in this brand. So heritage, also authenticity, mm-hmm. because every single Zenit watch has a Zenit movement, and yes. we are very proud of it. So we are one of the last few manufacturers that can say we don't buy movement from outside. It's all in-house. Mm-hmm. And, but it's not because you have a long heritage and you are very authentic that you should repeat the past. Mm-hmm. So I want to keep on being very innovative, you yes. know? and not only with the products, but also with the approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, in when we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the El Primero, I was lucky to meet the people who made the El Primero 50 mm. years ago. And they're all in their 80s. Yes. And something I'll never forget, because yeah. the youngest was born in 1945, the oldest in 1939. But they all told me, Julian, we were startupers. We were big innovators in yeah. the 60s when we made yeah. the El Primero. Yeah. So it's in the genes of the company. So you have to continue to move mm-hmm. on and make new things and take mm-hmm. risks. Yeah. And I think it's, it was a great lesson for me because you, you tend to think that people in their 80s, they might be a bit conservative, mm-hmm. turn to the past. It wasn't the case. Mm. And, and, and it, it shows me the way that Zenit has to continue to move on, has to bring new things, innovation and, 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 and look forward. Well, I mean, those guys who, who, who made the, the, you know, the first automatic chronograph movement, um, they took a hard route, didn't they? They, they? they started from bottom up, made an integrated movement, a column wheel chronograph with a date rather than kind of bolting a chrono module on, a, on, a, on an existing movement. So that was, it was the hard route they took. And, um, and there's always this thing about who got there first, but you know, yeah. Zenith 19th, January the 10th. Correct. 1969. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that was, that, that was the date, wasn't it? Um, and, I mean, it, it's it's an incredible move. It's an incredible move, movement then, and it, it's still an in, incredible movement now. I mean, it, it, it's just amazing. No, they they, they they created a legend, to be honest. And, uh, and and you are right. I mean, they almost stopped a few times. You know, when I got to meet them, and again, I'm so lucky. I could manage to have eight of them uh, around the table. We had lunch, 
And uh, after a couple of glasses of wines, they started to tell me stories that you cannot read in any book or anywhere, you know. So yes, they almost stopped it during the adventure because it was so difficult. Many people told them, don't do this. It's never going to work. It's never going to be functional, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they kept on moving. They kept on going. Uh So it's a good lesson that... You should not listen too much. You know, you should go for your vision, uh-huh. go for your objectives and, and, and move on. And that's what they did. And they're still so proud of that. So yeah. and thanks, thanks them. We, 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 we still today enjoy this beautiful movement mm-hmm. that people are really looking for. I mean, you know, when it, when it came back after the quartz crisis, we supplied some of the biggest brand in the world uh, because it became really the chronograph by, by, uh, by legend. Yeah. Uh-huh. I also, I mean, I mean, that innovative approach to movements, but I also, um, again, from sort of reading up and, and sort of my knowledge about uh, about maybe the marketing aspect of, of that movement. I mean, it was it was strapped to the wheels of a of a of a, of a, a jet that flew from Paris to to New York in in 1969. You know, was it minus 60 to 62 yes. degrees Celsius and 10,000 feet in the air, and the thing's working perfectly when it lands. I mean. That's that's a great story, you know. I mean, it's it's, it's a wonderful thing and, and a testament to the uh, to the engineering of the watch. I mean, it's, it's it's great. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a very famous story for Zenith, and uh, and people like it. And mm-hmm. we, might, we might think about doing another similar thing one day. Well, well I mean, <laughs> Felix Baumgartner falling out of the sky. Felix for, did that. Well. That was yeah. that, that was, was amazing too. That was a yeah. tough jump as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Certainly was. But uh, you, you mentioned, I mean, so this move, this amazing movement comes out. Um, Right at the start of the quartz crisis, uh, which um, it, it, it wasn't a good time for the Swiss industry, but um, but the, the the company survived. Obviously, it it, uh, it went to make on it went to make quartz watches for a while, and and there's a story about Charles Vermeau yeah. hiding hiding the, uh, the the tooling and the money uh, the machinery to make the uh, the El Primero in in the building. I mean, that's great romance. It's it, it's all great stories, and I think I think people really love all that about about watches and about Zenith. Yes, they love that and they love true stories. You yes. know, uh, there is a lot of marketing, which is normal, mm-hmm. like yeah. in any business, any industry, but people look more and more for authenticity. Yes. And I think today the speed of communication, the the, 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 the internet and everything, people are able to, to do research and they look mm-hmm. for authenticity. So again, the, the listeners that are uh, hearing us today, I mean, if you if you are stopped by Switzerland and you want to visit our manufacturer, it's all about authenticity. You can really see the attic where Charles Vermeau hid mm-hmm. what we call now the hidden treasure, all the components and the parts of the El Primero. You can still see mm-hmm. the brick wall yes. that he broke uh, in the early 80s to, to, to show that he kept uh-huh. everything. He preserved everything. So he clearly saved the movement. He saved the company, yeah, probably. And he preserves something that's that's part of the heritage of watchmaking now. So I think it's a it's a fantastic thing. Unfortunately, Charles Vermeau passed away in the early 2000s, but his right. son Michel uh, lives nearby, and I'm still uh, I'm still in close uh, contact with him. Yeah, Amazing. he's a good friend of the brand. Yeah, that's that, that, that's that's terrific. And, and I mean, then then over the over the recent past. Um, there's been some amazing developments with with the with the with the movement. Um, you know, the, the, the striking tenth in yep. 2010, and um, uh, and then and then the uh, the, the Defy um, 21. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're just incredible, just incredible developments, really. For sure. You know, we are known for precision and chronometry, mm-hmm. and as I said before, we need to continue to innovate. So, bringing the hundred of a second mm-hmm. first in the Defy 21. This year in the DeFi Extreme, yes, uh, which is kind of an extreme version mm-hmm. of this um, hundred of a second chronograph, 
are uh, new moves that are really uh, in line with uh, with our genes. You know, we will stay who we are. Mm-hmm. Many people ask me, are you, are you going to do one day a connected watch? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? I think we, we have to be creative and innovative, but we want to stay in our own uh, field of expertise, which is chronometry. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where you'll see us uh, evolving in the future. I, I, I sort of, I, I do marvel at you know people like you and the other uh, other heads of some of the sort of major brands because you have all that sort of rich history behind you, and you're the kind of current custodian yep. of all that knowledge, that heritage, and there is a need to grow and develop the brand but stay true to some elements Absolutely. of the past, uh, which which I think is incredible and and. It, it's it's interesting with Zenith because we well I've, perp- I've purposely talked a lot about about movements um, and and that in many ways uh, are what um, lots of watch people know you for yeah um, but for many uh, sort of just average people if that's that's probably the wrong word <laughs> that they, they they recognize a look so they recognize a Cartier tank or a, yeah. or any, any Rolex or 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 a, or a Roy Loco de Mar Piguet Roy Loke and and that's something um that, that maybe in the past Zenith has, has struggled with what does a Zenith look like you mm-hmm. know a lot of people think as I I, I would think of movements first but yeah. so I think part of your evolution is is, is kind of redefining the, the look perhaps so absolutely uh, and thank you for, for mentioning this. When I came on board, we were launching the DeFi collection mm-hmm. with Jean-Claude Biver, actually, which was kind of the contemporary version of yes. the El Primero, okay? the evolution, the 21st century watch, kind mm-hmm. of. But always in our field, precision and uh, chronometry. And it gave me time to think about what do we do with the Chronomaster. Mm-hmm. That was very important. The Chronomaster is probably the most iconic watch, the yes. famous A386, mm-hmm. A384, etc., and uh, it gave me time because we, 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 we sold DeFi, we promoted DeFi for all those years. And I've been working with my uh, product developer and design uh, team on the new uh, Chronomaster. And Chronomaster was supposed to, we celebrated, first of all, the 50th anniversary of DL Primero ah. in 2019, mm-hmm. during which we made a few limited editions uh, to celebrate this anniversary. And we could feel the huge interest yeah. on this type of uh, heritage design from the late 60s, mm-hmm. early 70s. And that's why we came, uh, it was supposed to be 2020, but of course last year I decided mm-hmm. to postpone the launch of the Chronomaster to 2021. Mm-hmm. And that's how we came with Chronomaster in a very simple and clear uh, offer, meaning there is one uh, classic one called the Original, yep. which is very close to the design of mm-hmm. the A386, super elegant, three yeah. counters, uh, beautiful lugs, beautiful mm-hmm. dial. I mean, we took care of every single detail yeah. to make a very elegant chronograph, mm-hmm. very chic, 38 millimeters, yes. so easy to wear. And of course, then we got inspiration uh, from a few watches, including the Deluca, including the Rainbow, including a watch that was made in uh, the A277, which was made in, in the mid-60s before the El Primero, that had this sporty bezel. Mm-hmm. And we said, okay, let's make a chronomaster inspired from this um kind of sporty, contemporary. And that's how we came with the Chronomaster Sport Mm -hmm. that has met a tremendous success uh, since day one last January. And the third part of Chronomaster is what we call Revival, where we make pieces inspired from the iconic uh, watches of those days. Mm -hmm. That's that's a very clear offer of Chronomaster that I came back with, which is very much in line with what people expected from the brand. And that's why we've had an incredible year in 2021, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you certainly have. I mean, we we um, 
the Chronomaster Sport, um, it's, uh, it's, it's an incredible seller. I mean, obviously, I, I, I guess your production, you can't keep up with, uh, with, with supply because I mean, we, we, we run quite short. But, um, as you say, it's a, it's a beautiful watch. I mean, it's, uh, 8,300 pounds on a bracelet, um, with this ceramic bezel. And, and, and I guess, uh, I think one of the things I really like about it is that the, um, the bezel is actually useful. I mean, not many people use a tachometer these days. <laughs> so to have the, the sort of ten second scale on there is, uh, I mean, it's a really useful, a really useful function. I think it's, it's great. It's it's an it's an incredible watch, honestly, because we looked at every single detail and we picked up things that we had in our heritage: bracelet, buckle, dial, and of course the bezel. It wasn't it wasn't ceramic during those days, but yes. we had this black looking uh, uh -huh. uh, bezel. And you're right, bezel are, are rarely uh, useful. This one mm -hmm. you can read and you can see the tenth of a second on this one. So it's mm -hmm. a very easy and convenient chronograph and very meaningful. Because mm -hmm. you know, if you think about it, uh, most chronographs are one eighth of a second or even one sixth mm -hmm. of a second, three hertz, four hertz. But actually, who is measuring anything in the world in eighth or sixth of a second? Okay, when you erase, it's going to be one tenth of a second. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. And, and the fact that you can read it on the bezel makes it a very meaningful chronograph for me yes. and probably the most logical chronograph yes. in a way from a yeah. horological point yeah, of view. Yeah, yeah. Uh, beyond that, very cool look. I mean, mm -hmm. as you said before, it's been, a, it's been a success that personally I've never ever had on any watch in, mm -hmm. my, in my career. Uh, we launched it end of January and uh, I still remember it was midnight Swiss time and, and, and I wake up the day after at 6 a.m. and I got emails and calls from my former retailers in, uh, uh, that I knew from, from my days in the U.S. or mm -hmm. in Asia and calling me like, Jesus, we never had that. We have 15 <laughs> pieces in order, 20 pieces in order. Uh, and I could feel that something big uh, was about to happen. And, and it's been confirmed because the orders are increasing every month, nonstop since day one. So, you know, we had a, we had the ambition to catch up in 2021 mm -hmm. and my, my clear ambition was to be positive versus 2019 by a lower single mm -hmm. digit, uh, which was ambitious at that time because everybody told we need to wait 2022, 2023 to catch up on 2019's results. And we are now uh, high double digit. So uh, it's, uh, it's been, again, a fantastic success. Yeah. A great place to be. Amazing. And, and one of the things you mentioned, um, just, just when you mentioned about the revival and the yes. original about is, is the case sizes, I think 38 mil and 30, 37, is it for the, um, for the uh, uh, revival piece? I think, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm interested in that because we, we're very analytical here. Um, and we, uh, we, 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 we do lots of sort of slicing and dicing of data. Um, and there is a general move in some ways towards slightly smaller case sizes. I mean, obviously Rolex did it with the, with the Explorer coming yeah. down to 36. And these, I mean, these are authentic sizes from, from, from the original, but I think people are, are quite accepting of, of smaller sizes. There were, a, there was a, a time maybe in the nineties when cases got really, really, really big yeah. and, and they have their place still. But, but I think that sort of authenticity and, and that sort of small and neatness and, and, and wearability is really quite a thing uh, these days. Absolutely. And I know you're right. And I think we could see the markets getting into, I would say, a slightly more conservative size. And mm -hmm. uh, when I say conservative, I would say most of the business is probably done between 37, 38 till 41. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where we play with Chronomaster. Yes. Of course, when you go to DeFi, uh, it's a bigger watch. When yes. you go to DeFi Extreme, it's a 45 millimeter. Mm -hmm. It's different. We still have business, uh, yeah, of yeah. course, for that. Mm -hmm. And there are still people mm -hmm. looking for bigger watches. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, 37, 42 is really the, the trend at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
and um, so you, you also in the revival you've also got the safari one that's coming out in the titanium so it's a, a sort of quite a retro yeah. case but but you know modern material and this and the cool green dial everybody has to have a green dial these days you of know course. Uh, yeah. so that that's that's a really fascinating yeah we, we've been playing with colors and you know on the a384 size uh, the first big success we had was the launch of the Shadow. Yes. Uh, because it was a very nice mix between, um, I would say, uh, a traditional historic size, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, 37, mm -hmm. the same shape like we did in, uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, but with a modern look yes. and a modern material with a microblasted titanium. Mm -hmm. So basically mixing a little touch from today and a little touch from yesterday, um, gets into makes a very very nice uh, uh, and good looking watch and, and it's been a bestseller since then so yeah, yeah. No, it's important to find that and you know again we play always with the past with mm -hmm. the present and the future yes and I really want to make sure that uh, we don't put tradition against innovation or past against mm -hmm. the future you know every future had a past yep. <laughs> you know what, mm -hmm. what was uh, innovation yesterday might become tradition today. Yes. But at some point it was innovation. Let's mm -hmm. not forget that. So I think it's super important to play. That's also why we launched the, the Zenith Icons yes. uh, program, which is for me a great initiative that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very excited about because when we celebrated again the 50th anniversary of Duel Primero, we could feel the, the, the huge demand we have on vintage watches. Mm -hmm. But when you buy vintage watches, you take a risk. You never really know what you're buying. And uh, I wanted to make uh, something special to offer to our clients the possibility to buy uh, a vintage watch that has been fully uh, checked, controlled, uh, authenticated, certified by the brand itself. Mm -hmm. So you buy a, a vintage watch, but with a, a certain level of guarantee. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's been a great success. We do it on a few iconic watches. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also a way to tell that Zenit having every single watch with a Zenit movement, we trust our movements are going to live forever. And those watches, they will have multiple lives, mm -hmm. you know. As long as we have a watchmaker able to regulate and put some oil, it can last forever. So that's, that's really the message also. Every single watch that we make today is a watch that will live forever. And we commit to restore any watch since day one. I think... Um I mean, one of the things that we 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 do talk about sometimes in these, these podcasts is is uh, is there is a sustainability aspect to 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 mechanical watchmaking, uh, which which you, you've just uh, eloquently put. You know, as long as somebody can make uh, can mend a watch, that it can go on forever. And and I do think that's that's hugely important, particularly when you look at um, you know. People have a disposable mentality these days, and that, that's probably is changing. But you think about, uh, you know, your, your cell phone or, or your or your your, your smartwatch. You know, they cost a, a thousand pounds, and then you throw them away in two years, three years time so with a watch. So with you know, with a Zenith and and, and you know, other other great brands are eminently repairable uh, and can go on. You know, as you say, forever, timeless. Yes, yes, yes. And I think people care more and more for that. You know, yeah. we can see it in the clothing industry. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. secondhand is booming. Yes. Watches secondhand are booming as well yeah. for a few yeah. years, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, even countries where it was not really popular, step like, for example, China, step by step, they're going there. You know, in China, people were a bit reluctant to, uh, to secondhand. Because mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you want, if you if you if you have the money to afford, why don't you buy a new one? You know. Yes. Um, uh, and also sometimes for superstition. Yes. I don't know what happened on 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 the wrist of someone else. Maybe yeah. he had bad luck. Were they, luck. Were they so lucky I, or unlucky? Exactly. That's, yes. That's very important. Yeah. And um, but it's evolving, and mm -hmm. I think it's a good message to say we produce 
product that will be here forever, timepieces that will be here forever. Yeah. As you say, it's sustainability. Mm -hmm. Making a watch is not the green, the greenest process, of course. We have no. to improve things. It cannot be as green mm -hmm. as we would like to. But at least we product something that you should never throw away. Yeah. Yes. You're right. Yeah, I think that's 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 a, that's the key thing, isn't it? I mean, are you, the future of watchmaking since 1865, and uh, I think that's a, that's a, an important yeah. an important important thing for you guys. Um, and you 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 also um, you also have these great partnerships. You know, you got the Extreme E, yeah, which is um, which is electronic um, off road car racing, or vehicle racing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Again, here. I mean, partnering between uh, watch brands and car brands have existed for a long, long uh -huh. time. But um, in the spring, uh, I was about to launch actually the uh, Extreme, uh, the Defi Extreme. I watch yes. the watch I'm wearing mm -hmm. now. And I got in touch with um, someone who's been founding, Alejandro Agar, who's been founding the, uh, the uh, Formula E first and now Extreme E, which is an mm -hmm. off-road uh, SUV, uh, fully electric. No public, so you don't create any uh, emission mm -hmm. of gas by having so many people traveling in key locations all around the world, five key locations where there are uh, specific climate change issues. Okay. And you go there a few days. There is one day which is fully dedicated. It's called the Legacy Day. Uh, it's a moment uh, during which you basically work on these problematics. And uh, I, I came back yesterday from Greenland, so it's Amazing. very fresh in my memory. And mm -hmm. last Friday, I was um, on icebergs and glacier, and I was collecting ice that has some kind of pollution to give it to the scientists uh -huh. that are part of the expedition and that I will analyze that and, and try to help uh, on the local issue. So it's a, it's a very nice approach because it's, it's cars, yes, mm -hmm. watches, but it's about sustainability. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it's also about inclusion and diversity because mm -hmm. the race, and that's the first time it's done this way, the race is made by a team of two pilots, two co-pilots, one male, one female, that are driving the same amount of mm -hmm. time. So it's very nice. It's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a great concept. And you know, it's different from the regular uh, watch car uh, partnership. Uh -huh. It's a new approach and uh, very exciting for us. Yeah, yeah indeed. And you've got you've you've got um, some some great ambassadors as well. Uh, Zhao Zhan, the Chinese superstar and actor. Um, yes. Which we have we have a Chinese department um, in, in this in this office, and and the lady who runs that, when she heard you got that guy. She, she went to pieces because obviously he's a, he's a big deal. He's a big deal. You, know? <laughs> you and me, we might not know him, but I can tell you in China, he's, a, he's, a, he's an amazing, amazing star mm -hmm. uh, with great values. And um, when we revealed his name on July 3rd, within six hours, we got 342 million views of the hashtag. 342 wow. million. You know, when we launch a video, if you get... I don't know, 40, 50,000 uh, views of a video uh -huh. within 24 hours. It's, it's, it's a good it's result. Good. Yeah. We got 8 million in six hours. Okay. So it's been crazy yeah. uh, in a few hours and it's been lasting July, August since then. The buzz is uh, increasing and increasing in China. And that's what we wanted to, to do because we needed to have more awareness and to, to, to develop also, to get people more to know the brand. Yes. You know, that was the objective because once people know what I said before, heritage, so important to Chinese. Mm -hmm. Authenticity, mm -hmm. believe me, they really 
pay attention to authenticity in China yeah. now more and more. And of course, innovative and modern turn to the to the to the to the present and the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what they like. But we had to have more people to see this. Yes. And this uh, actor helped us a lot on this. So I hope I can travel there and meet him soon. Incredible. Because for now, it's been e-meeting only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but amazing. I mean, that, that's quite a, quite a coup for you as Absolutely. a brand. But you you've also got um, Aaron Rodgers, the NFL quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is uh, that's that's great for America for for the U.S. We we are due to open three stores in the U.S. with you through this for the remainder of this year, yeah. which we're which we're really happy about. One in um, one in Miami, uh, one in hopefully Las Vegas, one in Las Vegas, and, and hopefully one in New York. With Correct. Uh, yeah. So so that that's great. So he he's obviously a great guy and well well received by the by the U.S. Yeah, Aaron is very much in line with our values. It's all about the the, the time to reach your star uh, brand yes. philosophy. That's his life's uh, philosophy, and I, I still remember when we when we talked together uh, through a, a Zoom uh, a year and a half ago, and uh, I was like, okay, this person is exactly exactly in line with our values. So we mm-hmm. have to go uh, for that. And in the U.S., it's been again a great success. This year, 2019, we multiply our business by three, you know, in the U.S. compared wow. to 2019, not Amazing. compared to 2020. Mm-hmm. It's been a huge takeoff for us this year. Uh, and I think, it, again, it's the work that we've done. Uh, of course, Aaron played the role, but it's the work we've done on the products that are mm-hmm. very much in line um, with the U.S. Uh, uh, taste for watches, yes. I would say, and 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 we experience the same in the UK. So you know, it's uh, it's very exciting for us uh, our partnership and the way we develop together. Incredible. And thank you for your support because uh-huh. Watches of Switzerland is really a, a, an amazing player for us. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we are we are growing our business there. We yeah. we see it as a as a fantastic market, and, it, and it's again it's great to work with you guys out out there as well as uh, well as in the UK. Um, so I, I mean, just I was. Uh, we, again, we, we touched on it slightly earlier. I mean, uh, I'm always intrigued by how, um, how how brands reacted to COVID and where we all were in kind of March March 2020 when right. everything looked really, really, really strange. I mean, it's undoubtedly changed. Um, it's undoubtedly changed our industry. I guess it's changed the world, uh, but it, it's changed retail. It's changed the mechanics of how we have meetings. I mean, I think you're about the first person I've seen face to face in a very, very long time. Everything's on Zoom or Teams, yeah. um, and it's it's it made a, a real a real change. No, no, for sure. And you know, my it's funny because my last trip was in the UK uh, mid March, uh, where I met my colleague Rebecca uh, in the UK, and. Um, and it was already a mess in Switzerland. So my wife was panicking, asking me, when are you coming back here? Yeah. It's a disaster. In the UK, people were still a bit relaxed. So I wasn't really paying, mm-hmm. paying attention to what was happening in, uh, in Switzerland. But uh, um, then I came back, uh, I think it was a uh, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, I think, mm-hmm. something like this, to Switzerland. And on Monday night, I basically made the decision to close the, the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And it stayed closed for six weeks. So it was very, very tough. But on the other hand, there is always a good side on, mm-hmm. on this kind of crisis. And we had a, a lot of learning. And the first learning I had is how we work uh, being locked at home. You know, it's, it's a new thing. We don't yeah. know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I made, a dis- I made two decisions, immediate decision on day one. First, I told my executive committee, we're going to have a call every day at nine. And people were every day. What are we going to tell each other? I say, even if we have nothing to say, yeah. we'll you say, can- hi, good morning. Did you sleep yeah. well? Yeah, yeah. That's it. But we keep in touch because mm-hmm. the social bond mm-hmm. might be weaker and weaker. So we yeah. have to keep this to keep the brand mm-hmm. active and alive. And the second was how do we work? Uh, how do we digitalize 
most yeah. of our jobs, most of our functions. Mm -hmm. Okay, finance, uh, accounting is not so easy mm -hmm. to do, but I mean, marketing and sales, clearly. Mm -hmm. uh, E-commerce, of course, became a hot topic. Many people were very doubtful about selling expensive watches online. We all know uh, it's happening now, mm -hmm. of course, yeah. and more and more. So we kicked off our, our own e-commerce in uh, July in Europe and in the US. And it's been a great success. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not only people are locked down, okay, but because in, in, in some countries, people live far away from the shops and they yes. want to have also, uh, it's mm -hmm. also a service that you, you yeah, give yeah. To, uh, mm -hmm. to the clients. So we learn a lot. And I mean, from a marketing point of view, you've probably noticed, but I think we've been one of the really most active brands. I've been spending tons of time uh, online mm -hmm. uh, with retailers, with yes. press, with end client. Mm -hmm. I actually got to know and clients uh, very well during this period because yeah. we've been very, very present on Instagram mm -hmm. everywhere. Uh, and it was it was an interesting period of time, tough, but interesting. And, and a few months after, a few weeks after, I should say, in mid-May, we realized that China was starting to kind mm -hmm. of get out of the crisis yeah. and there was a big demand. So how do we respond to the demand? I had to ask the watchmakers to go back to the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And what's been a struggle for us in terms of communication to have 18 different buildings in our manufacture became a strength during COVID because yes. it kept them quite uh, yeah, separate. safe, yeah, yeah. separate from mm -hmm. each other. So we could, we could send them with some measures, but in a very uh, mm -hmm. safe environment. And, and step by step, we went back to normal, I would say by mid-June, early July, uh, we were more or less uh, three days in the office, two days home office, and we kept that balance until now. And it's been, it's been, honestly, it's been really successful. Of mm. course, 2020, it's crisis management for everyone. But then we managed to prepare 2021 uh, in a very good way. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're here with a, a very good 2021 now. Yeah. And, and, and I think um, I think one of the things, lo lots of launches that would have happened in 2020 in some ways got pushed back. Yeah. Um, but, but it also meant that when they were launched, in many cases, the product was ready. You didn't have the weight that you normally have you know, when you used to go to Basel or the, or the SIHH fair, you, you see the product and then eight months later, you yeah. might see it again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was an interesting change. It was, it was. And I think it was the right decision to hold on some launches, uh, you know, to make them in a better environment. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying today is the best because, yes, we're happy. Yes, we're doing well, but the situation is still tough. I mean, yes. Many countries see a, a rebounds of the cases, uh, trouble retail. Mm. is still non-existent, at least in Europe. I yes. mean, we don't see a lot of traveling. Mm -hmm. So it's, a, it, it's still not an easy environment, but it's a much better environment to launch product. And I think brands have been doing it successfully. I think one of the things about uh, the Swiss watch industry does seem to be its resilience when you think about the quartz crisis and, yeah. uh, and, and then the, uh, you know, the financial crisis in 2008, 2009, um, and, and then obviously the pandemic affected the world. But I mean, it, it, it does seem robust. It does seem resilient. It seems very, very adaptable, uh, which I think is a, you know, is a testament to, to all, the, all the people who, who work so hard in it. You're right. You're right. I think it's, it's resilience. It's also humility. Mm -hmm. And I know in luxury uh, industry or even in watch industry, sometimes egos are big. But mm -hmm. I think in the Swiss culture, we have a humility that helps us a lot mm -hmm. to go through those crises. And you're right, wars, economic crisis, mm -hmm. the brands are still there. You yeah. know? We are managers, we're happy, but mm -hmm. at some point there will be someone else. The important is that the brand yes. continues, the brand goes on. And I think if you do a good job uh, to work on the long term, the brand will, will, will be stronger and stronger. Uh -huh. This is super important to, to see the long term. Mm -hmm. That's how you go through these crises with less pains. Yeah, indeed, indeed. 
That's great. Well, um, so, I mean, it's, a, it's an exciting time for Zenith. As you say, you, you're launching all these fantastic new watches. And the one we sort of only casually mentioned, but probably we ought to go into a little bit of depth on, is the, is the uh, Defy Extreme, the sort of 45 mil titanium yeah. uh, case with the, with the um, hundredth of a second chronograph. That's quite a piece. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible. Yes, it's a great watch. And you know I'm going to take it off my wrist to talk about it because... It's a watch that we wanted, we started from the DeFi 21 and we wanted to bring more character, more mm -hmm. personality, make it bigger, stronger, yes. super robust. So we worked on the design, whether on the case, uh, on the pushers, uh, and we also uh, improved the, 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 the readability, the lisibility on, mm -hmm. the, on, the, on the dial. Uh, and of course, it's a watch that is casual, as you say, and we wanted to offer this... Um, a changeable strap system, yes. which is quite new for us, but very easy, functional. You know, you remove the strap like this, mm -hmm. you put the bracelet, and you basically every watch is sold with three type of uh, one bracelet and two straps. That's amazing because you know sometimes you buy products that are uh, interchangeable, mm -hmm. but once you go home, you have your watch with a strap, you wear it, and you tend to forget about yes. it. Yes. So mm -hmm. I wanted really to push our clients to mm -hmm. do it, to play with it, to change yep. it. Mm -hmm. And that's why we wanted from the beginning to offer uh, different options in the box when you buy the watch. And that's been really appreciated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now it's, it's, it's a fantastic watch, uh, doing very well. We started deliveries this summer, so mm -hmm. it's, that is still recent. But people, uh, people love people love the design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort of fifteen thousand three hundred, I think. And as you say, the fact that you get the bracelet and two strap options, it gives you you know lots of different looks. It's 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 incredible. Um, okay, well, um, I I. I I think it's uh, it's been fascinating to meet you. Um, I mean, we, um, I say, watches of Switzerland. We're, we're we're privileged to have ten points of sale in the in the UK, mm -hmm. and say so we're opening three in the US. Um, it's I think it's an amazing time for Zenith. Um, I think uh, I think the job you're doing there is is, is wonderful. All the all the uh, the reinvention of some of your classics um, and, and and the way you're evolving the brand and, and giving it giving it um, a personality beyond a movement, uh, which I think is, is, is quite some achievement. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, well, we wish you every, every success and we, we want to continue partnering with you and, and presenting your amazing watches in our stores. So, uh, Julian, thank you very much indeed for your time. Um, it's, it's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you for your support. Thank you for what we're doing together. Of course, it's a, it's a teamwork. Huh? I have a great team here in the UK and mm -hmm. everywhere in the world doing a fantastic job. I've got the support of, uh, of, uh, of my boss, of the group. Uh, of course, I would never thank enough Jean-Claude Biver uh, for giving me this yes. opportunity uh -huh. because I'm a happy CEO, you know, yes. uh, despite the tough time that we've had. Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying this brand, which is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot uh, to do ahead of us, but uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's growing fast. And now we're finally getting into a very successful situation. Um, so I, I couldn't be happier, to be honest. And I'm so happy to be back on the market. So thank you for inviting me. <laughs> no, no. Well, thank you for coming. And you do look genuinely happy, actually, which is, which is wonderful to see. Thank you so much. And thank you for everyone for listening to us.